Well, good morning and happy end of spring break or end of the first week of daylight savings time, whichever affects you more. Happy March Madness to all the Fairleigh Dickinson University fans with us this morning. <laughs> Two weeks ago, we wrapped up this magnificent series called Real ID. If you missed it, go listen to it online. Uh, Dean walked us through Paul's letter to the Ephesians. It was an incredible series. Uh, we studied the Bible's description of, if you're a Christian, what is your identity? It's a weird thing to be a human being and to be born not necessarily knowing what your identity is. And you spend most of your life trying to figure that out. And the world has a million suggestions for you. If you're not sure what your identity is, you can look around. Everybody wants to tell you. You can hear a million different voices suggesting an identity for you. But there's only one place that you're guaranteed to get the truth, and that is the Word of God. So that's what that series was about, and I want to follow that up today. Am I okay? Am I really loud? Is this okay? It sounds weird up here. Okay. Uh, Dean closed our study um, of the book of Ephesians, and I want to follow it up today with kind of an epilogue, but he closed it perfectly with that powerful story you remember if you were here from Betty Perkins. If you weren't here, go listen to it. Uh, I was listening to it on the website while I was doing the dishes, and my wife snuck up on me while I had my headphones in. And she was like, are you okay? Are you crying? And I was like, no. <laughs> but I was crying. You should go listen to it. It was incredible. The reason it was so powerful is because the book of Ephesians, as you know, in chapter 6, ends with this incredible inspirational call to action, this cinematic image of the armor of God. Reading it is like you're gearing up to go to war. You're buckling on the belts of truth. You're strapping on the breastplate of righteousness, raising the shield of faith, and drawing the sword of the Spirit. And Paul says what all of us feel in this world every day. He says, whether you like it or not, you are a soldier at war against the schemes of the devil in this world. Not against other people, but against the cosmic powers and the darkness and the evil in this world. It's a message that resonates in our hearts like the war drums of an army marching out with the legions of heaven. And then so many of us end up like this. Anybody else? Just me? I love Dean's challenge at the end of this message where he talked about the armor of God and said so many people, they gear up for war, they've got their armor on, and then they go sit down on the couch, eat a pizza, and watch reruns, and do nothing with this spiritual equipment that God has given you. And so Dean ended that series with the challenge to go. Get up and go. Do something. God is calling you to something incredible. Get up and go. And I want to talk this morning about how to know what that is, what God is calling you to do. So let me ask you this question. I want you to think about this. What is God calling you to do right now in your life? Now, a few things are going to float up to the surface here. Before you overthink it, before your head grabs the steering wheel and tries to grab onto those things, you probably already know what it is. What is God calling you to do in your life right now? It might be huge, it might be small, but it is something. God is calling you to something. I know this. I know it's more than what you're doing now. I know it's bigger than what you're doing now. I know it's harder than what you're doing now. God is calling you to something this morning, and I want to talk about how you listen for that voice. If you're like me, in your full suit of armor sitting on the couch eating a pizza, there's this certain feeling that leaps up into your mind uh, to balance out all the excitement when you start to feel inspired. Do you know what I'm talking about? You feel this spiritual inspiration, and all of a sudden these walls shoot up to block it, right? Walls of like reason, kind of like the voice of reason, the logic in your head. My walls are always made out of questions. I don't know about you. Questions like this. Okay, but when are you actually going to find the time to do all of that? You don't have time for that. 
You've tried this before. You've been excited about it before. You never follow through. Why is this time going to be any different? You're not actually going to do that. Don't try. Who's going to pay for that? You're not going to pay. You can't afford that. Who's going to pay for that idea? Can you imagine what the guys at work would say if they knew you were thinking about doing that? And maybe this, maybe this is the most common one for me. Whenever I feel inspired like God is calling me to do something, how do you actually know that it's God calling you? And this isn't just some idea that popped into your head. How do you know that it's God? How can you prove it? Here's the million-dollar question I want to talk to you about this morning. How do you explain the idea of a soldier in full armor, equipped for battle, slouched on a couch, eating pizza and watching reruns? I'll tell you. His passion, his inspiration, it's boxed in by these walls, walls made out of questions. So today what we're going to do is read through one of the Bible's most famous stories about identity, rewinding a few thousand years from the book of Ephesians to the book of Exodus. We'll be in Exodus chapter 3 if you have your Bible with you this morning. We're going to read one of the most important conversations in the history of the world. A time when God spoke directly to one of his soldiers who was fully equipped but sitting on the couch And God had one purpose. He wanted to break down the walls of questions, to overrule this guy's reasons and excuses and invite him to take part in a bigger story. That's what he's inviting all of us to do this morning too. So there's two questions really that we need to answer, and we're going to do them in order here. The first is what I said. How do you know it's actually God calling you? You've got some idea of something you want to do. How do you know it's God calling you and not just one of your ideas? And the second question is a little deeper, and it's this. It's a question of trust. All those other questions I was mentioning boiled down into one. How do I know that if I take this leap of faith, I will land on solid ground? How do I know that if I make this trust fall and do this crazy thing God is calling me to do, that he will catch me and that I won't fall? So let's read this story together of Moses talking to God at the burning bush. Now, you've heard this story a thousand times probably, so I want to try something different today when we read through the story, okay? Try something different. It's a little different. Bear with me here. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to put the text from the Bible up on the screen. If you have your Bible, you can also follow along. So we'll look at the Word of God together. But while it's up there, what I'm going to do is play an audio recording. So we're going to listen to this while we're reading the Bible. This is somebody who is artistically interpreting the passage to tell us the story of Moses. Okay, so listen to this artistic sort of interpretation of the story of Moses while we're reading these words together on the screen. And then we'll talk about it. So let's go ahead with that clip. Moses' sheep look this way and that for something to eat, but options are scarce. It's as if this place were slain ages ago, petrified now, rigor mortis having fused the earth's once soft hands into clenched fists. Finally, a patch of scattered weeds. Moses' staff punches more quickly now, his eyes set on a pass shadowed by two rising walls of stone, one lesser and one greater. His grateful sheep bow their heads to eat, and Moses, after scanning the ground for snakes, lifts his eyes to the mountains. The peaks here are dizzying, especially for a man who grew up in the delta. The greater of the two closest prominences looms before him, wild and unnerving, scarred, ancient, majestic. Mount Horeb, they call it, mountain of the deity. Moses squints, perhaps, as he cranes his neck and surveys the summit. It looks like the kind of place a deity might call home. When he looks back to check on his sheep, something catches his eye. 
There, at the foot of the mountain. Fire. Interesting. Someone's camped out here. Friend or f- No. No, that- that's no campfire. It's too... tall. Moses squints again. It's a sinna, a thorn bush that's burning, a brush fire. If Moses moves to protect his sheep, he stops, eyes darting left and right. No, nothing else is aflame. Moses, head tilting, brow furrowed, transfixed, moves toward the light. Closer now. Curious, the bush is on fire, but it is not burning. The flames lick the branches and leaves, but they do not chew them. I must see this. How? Why doesn't the bush... How can something be wrapped in that kind of power and, and not be destroyed? Staff rises and falls. Sandals step cautiously, draw nearer. Moses. Moses. The shepherd's skin turns to goose flesh as someone, something, says his name from within the fire. Eyes wide, lips trembling, Moses replies, Here I am. Look back at verses 3 and 4 if you're following along. There's sort of an aside here where Moses speaks out loud to himself, narrating his own thoughts. All right, Moses, he sees the bush and then he, the, the narration records him saying, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. Okay, so he makes a decision out loud. He says, I'm going to go look at this. And then look at how verse 4 starts. When the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to look, God called to him out of the bush. Now, consider this. God could have spoken to Moses here any way he wanted to. God had made up his mind he's going to talk to Moses today. He could have done it any way he wanted to. He talks to people in all kinds of ways in the Bible. He could have appeared in person. He could have spoken from the clouds. He could have sent a human prophet or an angel. He could have used a dream. But he picks this way, sets it all up with this little bush and this fire. Why? Well, here's one reason. I think there's a lot of reasons, but here's one. The bush is avoidable. It is not an inevitable encounter. You can't look away from a dream. You can't walk past a voice from the clouds. But here Moses has to decide to turn and go see this bush. And then God does something weird. He waits until Moses actually turns aside. Till Moses has said, all right, I'm going to go look at this. He comes over to look. And then God says, Moses. He doesn't say Moses to get his attention. He says Moses because he knows he already has his attention. God ensures that this encounter is a choice. Listen to this. God waits for his child to notice a miracle that is not on the path Moses had already chosen for himself. God, with the patience of eternity, sits off to the side. He sits there while he's feeling every single Egyptian whip striking the back of every Israelite son and daughter, and he waits, and he says nothing. He waits for this elderly shepherd to make his choice, to think it through, to notice and then decide and then say, I'm going to go over there and look at this, and then come over, and then God speaks. Every miracle in the Bible is a symbol they're always symbolic. They're always specific to that audience. And they always, every miracle, forces someone to make a decision. 
This one is no different. Here the choice is simple. You can ignore this strange out-of-the-way sight. Maybe you're afraid of it. Maybe you don't want to bother with it. Maybe you're safe and secure on your path and you don't want to leave. Or you can choose to go closer. You can follow the fire. This simple truth can change your life this morning if you'll let it. God has waited in silence for 400 years while his children were enslaved. And he waited to speak his first words to his people out of that silence until one of those children decided to turn off of his path and follow the fire. In your life, you will witness such holy fire. Walking along on a path that you've chosen for yourself to walk, a path that might feel comfortable and safe and normal. You won't, you're not going to see a shining angel standing there announcing God's presence, but you're going to see a curious, understated miracle that you may ignore if you wish. If you're a soldier on the couch, rusting away the armor of God, Unsure if that voice telling you to do something more, to go deeper, to reach farther, is actually God or not. Here's how you know whether it's God or not. Follow the fire. God doesn't just step in and reveal his entire glory and his full presence to us. He wants our faith. Our faith and our free belief is precious to him. No, God instead, he peeks through the fabric of reality at us. He whispers through the keyhole of the locked door. God is fluent in millions of different languages. And he designed your heart to understand and interpret those languages. If you listen. Like every language, God's miracles, they're always a two-way street. There's a speaker and a listener, a giver and a receiver. In other words, you have to be willing to turn aside to see. Here's the complex truth at the heart of this simple story. When God lights up the burning bush, okay, the miracle is not the fire. The miracle is not the bush. When you think about it in the grand scheme, it's not that impressive. The God who could speak the universe into existence from nothing, the God who said, let there be light and there was light. This little bush that doesn't burn up, it's a parlor trick. It's nothing for him. It's not that impressive that the Almighty God made a bush and made it not burn up. That's not the miracle here. The miracle is when you see God in the fire and your broken humanity encounters divinity. That's a miracle. That breaks the fabric of reality. That's something impossible. That's impressive. Your finite reality interacts with eternity. Your earthbound eyes can behold the face of God himself. That's a miracle. And it can happen in so many different ways. Like you can see God, you know this, you can see God on a beach through this watercolor sunset, this beautiful, breathtaking, inspiring beauty. Or you can see God when you step over a weed growing through the cracks on the sidewalk and pause to notice it, can't you? God speaks a million languages. Neither the sunset nor the weed in the sidewalk crack is impressive on the grand scheme of things for an almighty creator, but both of them are miraculous if they trigger your awareness of the presence of God. You have to follow the fire in your life. You can hear the crackle of a burning bush sometimes in an overheard snippet of conversation that tugs just a little bit too hard on your heartstrings to ignore. And you know you need to speak up. You know you need to step in and say something. It could be a flashbulb memory that just pops into your head and you realize, I never made a decision about that or I need to call that person and you can't get it out of your head. Some nagging idea, some theory that you can't shake off, some stunningly beautiful moment that shocks you out of the mundane. God's signal fires flicker on the faces of those we relegate to life's periphery and they force us to make decisions every day. 
burning bushes in our lives, they might call us to deviate just one step from the path we've already chosen so that we could take part in some piece of God's story we'll never know. But at the same time, they might call us, they might beckon from the far reaches of what our imaginations can fathom to step onto a path that we've never seen, that no one has ever stepped onto before. What is God calling you to do? Maybe God wants you to make a change that you can make today. Maybe God has been calling you for months now, for years now, to make some little decision that you've been putting off or ignoring with life's routine. Some decision you could make today, this afternoon. Here's some thoughts. Here's some ideas. Maybe you're thinking about something like this. Talk to your husband. Talk to your wife about recentering your marriage or your parenting or your money or your job on God because you've noticed it's started to stray. Maybe he's been lighting signal fires left and right on your path trying to force you to make this decision and today you could decide to do it right now. Maybe he wants you to sign up to help somewhere, to volunteer at some ministry at this church or somewhere else, to give your time, your money, your gifts to this family that you've been keeping for yourself. And he's been lighting these fires that you've been walking past, and it's time to stop and follow that fire. Maybe it's something huge. Maybe he wants you to do something crazy, and you already know what it is, and you've been putting off that decision because you're not sure. When I was 16 years old, I heard a video of somebody doing slam poetry, Maybe you know what that is. If you don't, it's not important. But I heard somebody doing slam poetry. And I was like, what is that? I've never heard that before. And somehow by the end of this guy delivering this slam poem, I knew. I was like, I want to try to do that. I'm going to try to write poetry. And we had this LTC speech coming up. And I was like, I'm going to write a slam poem for this. I had no idea if it would work or if I could do it or if it would be the cringiest, most horrible thing I ever wrote in my life. And I did it. And I got up there. And the paper was shaking in my hands so loud you couldn't hear me talk. And I had to set it down. That was the first time I ever talked in front of anybody. And God used that moment, some of you were there, to sweep me away on this incredible journey. I don't know if he's calling you to write slam poetry, but I know he's calling you to something. In that moment, I can't explain it to you, but I knew. I just felt this weird fire. I was like, I have to try that. And I did. He's calling you to something. You may already know what it is. It might be something crazy. It might be something that sounds impossible to you. Listen to this story. Here's another story. One of the most important mentors in my life, Justin Gerhardt, who taught me how to preach when I was an intern back in college. He officiated my wedding. He still advises and encourages me today. He was a preacher for 20 years on a well-worn and safe path. Justin is one of the greatest storytellers that I've ever heard in my life, a powerful speaker. And one day, he saw a burning bush off the beaten path, somewhere that was not safe at all. He felt in his life this holy discomfort, a need to do something else, to do something more. He got this idea in his head that he couldn't shake. And these, God started lighting these signal fires in different directions, voices and influences in his life that were confirming and pushing him towards this idea. And he did it. He followed the fire. He stepped off the path and took a leap of faith. With his wife and with his two daughters, this family, they listened to God's voice from all these signal fires and he left his job. They sold their house. They said goodbye to everybody and everything they've ever known. And they moved to follow the voice of God. And Justin, he quit his job and he started a podcast. He started a show. That's the logo of it on the screen. It's called Holy Ghost Stories. And it tells Bible stories about God and his people in this dramatic rendition set to music. It's this whole experience. He does research and history and theology. And he presents it in this luminous and colorful storytelling it was a crazy idea. He's taken his family on the road. They've moved around the world. They've lived in five or six different countries. This is his full-time job. He made a podcast. Starting a podcast and telling Bible stories on the internet. It was crazy. And guess what? It's working. 
It's actually working. This show is phenomenal. It's exploding in popularity. There's, they've got a musician now who's composing original soundtracks for every episode. And people all over the world are hearing these stories about God because he took that leap of faith. Like, I'm talking about thousands of people here. Justin followed God's calling. He stepped off the path that was worn, the path that made sense, the path that was safe. And through ongoing, this has been going on for years now, this leap of faith, God's stories have been heard tens of thousands of times. We just listened to one this morning. That's what that audio clip that I played for you a minute ago was. He's going through the story of Exodus right now in this podcast. And I want to pause for a second and say, this is free. I'm just unplugging this because it's free. It's incredible. If you've never listened to this, you should pull it up. Holy Ghost Stories. Google it. Look it up anywhere you listen to things. I guarantee that uh, you won't regret it. You'll like it. If If I have any credibility at all in your eyes, I wager all of it that you will like this show. Look it up and listen to one episode. I know you'll like it. Share it with somebody. It's free. Look it up. We need to support Christians who are making good art. And look at this. This guy took a leap of faith. He heard God calling him to do something crazy, and he did it. Let's keep listening to Justin tell this story as we follow what happens to Moses here. Who am I? Moses' voice is raised now wonder and awe eclipsed by fear and panic. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? It is a rhetorical question. Moses looks down, perhaps, at his hands bathed in the light of the bush, deep lines marking his knuckles, skin pulled taut across winding veins. They are the hands of an old man, an old shepherd, not some young conquering general. There's nothing that would qualify will be with you. Is that supposed to be an answer? And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Oreb stands unflinching, witness to these words. And Moses, perhaps Moses is confused. Isn't a sign supposed to Precede. Is he going to have to wait until this quest is complete to know that it was, in fact, this God that sent him on the mission? Who is this God, anyway? The God of the Israelites, yes, the God his father and mother used to pray to, but that was so long ago. What was his name? Suppose, Moses ventures, I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Fire crackles within and around the bush. Flames flitter orange and yellow and red and blue. Moses waits for a name. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Is that supposed to be an answer? Is that supposed to be an answer? I am who I am. I am has sent me to you. Let's talk about this for a minute. I am the name of God. Just a minute ago, we sang a song, Worthy is Your Name. We worship God's name all the time. We talk about God's name, and here is the first time in the scriptures we learn, we hear it from him, what his name actually is. In this conversation, Moses' first question would be my first question. Who am I to do this? 
And he's right. That's a great objection. And God quickly clarifies, you're not going to be doing anything here, actually. I'm going to be going with you. I'll be working the miracles here, not you. It doesn't actually matter who you are. And by the way, your opinion of yourself, your assessment of yourself is not important. My assessment of you is what's important. So forget about you. And then Moses realizes he's got a point and he asks the right question. Okay, forget about me. Who are you? So we talked about how you can listen for God, how you know if God is calling you. But let's talk about that second question. Here's our answer. If you're going to follow God and take that leap of faith, how do you know you'll land on solid ground? How do you know that God is trustworthy to follow through on whatever thing you think it is he's calling you to do? The answer is two words. It's a name. I am who I am. I think this in, the, in all of the Bible, this is the most powerful way God ever describes himself. You can learn more about God from this maybe than any other name he gives us. God is the present tense. Okay, let that sink in. He is the present tense. He never was. He never will be. He's not becoming anything. He is always. He just is. Anytime that you say the words, I am, like if you said, I am out loud right now, by the time you're done saying it and those words hit somebody's ears, it's gone. You're not am anymore. You were. It happened in the past. The present is flying by on the edge of a knife, slipping away faster than the speed of thought. We try to clutch at the present and it eludes us. Time never quits hurtling forward. We lean into the future. We learn from the past. And as we try to grasp each fleeting millisecond of our precious short lives, God is dwelling there. He is. He is the eternal present tense. This name about God tells us everything. Your name, the point of your name is to distinguish you. It differentiates you. I'm Zach, and you know that, so you know I'm not somebody else. God's name does the opposite. It doesn't distinguish him, so you make sure you've got the right person. I am. He says, I encompass everything. I am. All of reality, that's me. You're not trying to separate me out from everything. You need to separate everything out from me. God's name doesn't describe him. Like a lot of names in the Bible or names we give today, they describe somebody. They're your unique traits, your origins, your purpose maybe. That's what names do sometimes. God's name doesn't do any of that. He says, my name represents everything that has ever existed or that ever will exist. I've been dwelling in the present tense while everything that ever has happened or will happen has existed. It passes through me and it exists only through me. We are products. We're products of our genetics, our influences, our surroundings. I am is a product of nothing. We're constantly growing and moving, growing up and growing old. I am is not becoming anything. He'll never be anything more or anything less than he is now or ever has been. That's who will be with you when you take your leap of faith. God says, you're never going to understand this. I didn't build you to be able to hold this knowledge, but just try and wrap your tiny little brain around this idea for a second with me. I am. So what's our first impression of this strange, eternal God named I Am? What do we learn from him right after he says his name there in the text in Exodus 3? He says, I am. That's who you're dealing with, okay? Now here's two things you need to know about me. One, from my eternal perspective, from my dwelling on the knife's edge of the present tense for all of eternity, guess what I do? Guess what occupies my thoughts and my time? He says, I have heard their suffering. I have heard their cries. My people, they're enslaved. Me, the almighty God, you know what I care about? This group of unimportant slaves. I care about injustice and I want to help these people. I hear every cry and it breaks my heart and it awakens my wrath and I'm going to do something about it. That's the first thing we learn about this God. The second thing is he says, I could go and do it myself. Of course I could do anything. I created all the people involved. I could do whatever I want, but I'm not going to do it. I'm sending you. 
So what do we learn about him? He cares about us, but also he wants to involve us. He wants people. He wants these fallible, unreliable, human middlemen between him and all the miraculous work he's going to do in the world. And you see that in the New Testament too. All the time, God uses people when he doesn't need to. He wants us involved in the middle of these miraculous works and missions. So here he's sending Moses today. He's sending you. And as I am is speaking to Moses from the fire, outlining this plan, here's what we're going to do, the game plan for salvation and freedom. Those walls start to go up in Moses' mind, right? Just like they do in yours, just like they do in mine. Walls made out of questions. And so he's asking questions, debating with God. Wait a minute, who am I to do this? What if they don't listen to me? What am I supposed to say? Isn't there somebody more qualified to go do this than me? God gives Moses assurances and signs and promises and miraculous powers. And Moses keeps fighting back saying, please, just send somebody else. Don't make me go. Don't make me do this. By the way, I just want to say, and somebody correct me if I'm wrong. I tried to think of an example and I couldn't. Of an example in the Bible where God calls somebody to do something that they want to do. God calls people in the Bible all the time, and what's their reaction? Please don't make me go to Nineveh. I'm going to run away and go to the other side of the world. And God has to send a fish to eat this guy and spit him back in the right direction. You are going to go to Nineveh. God doesn't call people, and they go, awesome. That's what I was going to do anyway. I'm so glad you called me to do that. That's great. Thanks. He calls people because they're not on the path he wants them to be on. He has to call them to change their mind. That's something to think about when you're feeling this calling. If you feel this resistance, you're in good company. And if you're not sure, how am I supposed to step into this calling that I don't want to do, that doesn't go with my plan, that doesn't make sense to me, open the Bible to almost any story where God interacts with a person and you will find a blueprint how to take the courage to take that first step. And if you know the story, you know how this ends. Moses goes. All of his objections get answered and he finally goes. And God is so patient. He listens. He sends him. And if you listen to the rest of the Exodus story, go to Holy Ghost stories. Listen to the rest of the Exodus story. You'll hear it there. Go read it for yourself. You see this timid guy, this shepherd who's looking for any way out, grow fearless. Overthrow the greatest kingdom in the world through the power of God. And as he witnesses God's power over and over again, pay attention in the story. What he's doing is he's hearing that voice that he heard. He doesn't just hear it at the bush. He hears it again and again and again. He hears the voice in Pharaoh's palace. He hears the voice when he's among the slaves. He hears the voice when he's standing at the edge of the Red Sea. And he gets to where he can recognize it better and better. Here at the bush, God has to introduce himself. After a while, Moses can just recognize that voice. And eventually the Bible says God and Moses talk to each other like you might talk to your friend. When you start to listen to God, when you follow that fire, you will start to learn what his voice sounds like. If it's so hard for you to hear, take those leaps of faith and you'll start to hear it more. You'll start to learn what it sounds like, just like you know you recognize your friend's voice when you answer the phone. They don't have to identify themselves. God's voice can become more familiar to you. Forey Grove used to quote a verse all the time, so much, it's like a soundtrack in my childhood, and I can't read it except in his voice. Acts 17, 27. It says, God did this, created this world this way, so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. God is not far from you, and he is speaking to you. 
He's speaking to you right now. The infinite love of that cosmic I am, it wants to get your attention right now more than anything. God is lighting signal fires on the left and the right of your path, planting these everyday miracles in your way to draw you from what's safe, what's expected, what's comfortable, what's normal, and into what's impossible to lead you till you're standing on holy ground. We live outside of the Garden of Eden We live in a bleak world. The Bible says when they left Eden, they worked in a dry land that was full of thorns, right? We live in a world full of thorns, brokenness and pain. But out here, it's in the thorn bushes where we live, in the thorns, that we see the holy fire of God spring up. That's why God picks this bush to reveal himself. He's showing out there in the brokenness of your world. I'm not locked away in the perfect garden. I'm here with you. I'm in the thorns but not to consume them, not to burn them up and destroy them with my presence, but loving them enough to shine out and destroy the dark parts of this world, to speak into your deafness, to burn into your fear and your selfishness and your apathy and your excuses with a holy and beautiful calling. Here's what that might look like. I want to be really practical with you here. As we close today, I just want to be really practical with you, give you a few ideas of what this might look like. Maybe it's slam poetry. I don't know. Maybe you're supposed to quit your job and start a podcast. I don't know. It's different for everybody. Let me give you some ideas. Maybe you've been hearing God's voice in your, in your mind, in your heart, in your life, calling you to ministry, calling you to volunteer in ministry. Different openings in your life and opportunities and friendships and giftedness have been triangulating on some ministry, and it feels like these signal fires that you could follow. Great. Listen, this church has a thousand ministries. Go teach a children's class. Go serve with the youth group. Go drive the AFC somewhere. Help with the building. Help in the nursery. If you don't know where to help, if you think, well, I I don't know, I kind of feel like I'd like to help, but I'm not sure. Here's some things I'm good at. Go find anybody who works here and tell them, hey, I'd like to help here. I'm not sure what to do. I guarantee they will give you 10 things that you could help with. Maybe God is calling you to that right now. You could do that today. You could answer that calling today. You could step off the path and who knows where that would lead you. Maybe God's voice is speaking to you about relationships in your life. Wisdom is calling out to you. Your spiritual community is advising you. Examples and scriptures are leading you. These are little things, little miracles God plants on your path. And it's, it's, it's telling you it's time to make a move in a relationship. It's time to cut off that group of friends. It's not good for you to be friends with those people. It's time to quit dating that person. It's time to draw some boundaries there in that relationship. Maybe it's time to start dating that person. I don't know. It's time to make that phone call that you've been putting off to restore that relationship, to apologize, to forgive, to care. God calls us into those things. These are everyday interactions that God will plant miracles to draw you towards. For a lot of you, God is calling you to do some, to start or to quit some habits in your life. For a lot of you, probably the first thing that popped into your head when I said, what's God calling you to do was, I got to quit doing that thing. I really got to start doing this habit more. God's lighting fires all along your path to sound the alarm. Something in your life is missing and you need it. Or something in your life is wrong and you have to stop doing that. And he's trying to get your attention. Maybe his voice is speaking to you through the natural rhythms of your body, these innate longings you feel for a sense of fulfillment that's lacking because of your bad habits and your secrets. Step off of the path. Approach the flame. Listen to what he's calling you to do. Confess your secret. Do it today. You could do it right now. Lay down that chain. Never pick it up again. Maybe there's a habit you know you need to pick up, something you need to do. Find somebody today, text them right now and get some accountability and start doing it. Make a move, step off the path. Nothing is stopping you except for yourself. Text somebody and say, I wanna start coming to church more. If you don't see me at church for the next month, send me a text and ask if everything's okay. I wanna start reading my Bible more. Text me every Wednesday and see if I'm doing it or not. It's easy, you could do it right now. God is calling you to take up these habits and you can't keep putting it off. I know for at least some people here today, I'll close with this. 
God is calling you to do something crazy, something huge, something big. Maybe it's been nagging you for months and you've been putting it off and trying not to think about it. Maybe you need to quit your job and go make Christian art full-time or support somebody who is. I don't know what it is. Maybe you've never taught a class in your life, but you need to sign up and teach in our kids' ministry. Maybe you need to foster a kid or adopt a kid. Maybe you need to talk to people here who uproot their lives and can talk to you about traveling and going on missions overseas. Buy into your job. Quit your job. Uproot and move. Dig in and put down roots here. Speak up. Be quiet and listen. I don't know. It's different for everybody. God is calling you to something. I don't know what it is, but I guarantee, I'm certain, it is more than what you're doing now. It's harder than what you're doing now. And it will draw you deeper into your relationship with God than you are right now. He is speaking to you in a million different languages that he designed your heart to be able to interpret if you will step off of your path and follow that fire. There is no limit to God's almighty power except the limit of our trust, the limit of our attention span. That's our identity. That's who we are. Those who listen and those who follow. Let's pray now for God to reveal to us who he's calling us to be. God, we open our hearts to you. We open our ears to you. Speak to us in whatever language we need to hear. We want more of you. We want to take this relationship with you deeper. I pray that to every heart here, you would reveal something that you're calling us to, some way we can be part of your story. Give us the courage to follow. Give us the trust to take that step. And give us the hearts to listen. In Jesus' name, amen.